From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Elise Hammond. And I'm Beth Greenman. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. This week, we'll tell you about an Ohio University group that is getting young people more involved in the STEM field. It's everywhere. Right? Like, not just robotics, like electronics, knowing how to work with machines, computers. No matter where you go, you're never going to not run into those. Plus, we'll take a look at a new tax in the area that several people are not a fan of. And one international student explores what is in a name. We'll give you all the details and more coming up right here on The Outlet. OU's Renaissance Engineers hosted the first Engineering and Technology Day for local elementary and middle school children. Outlet reporter Caitlin Coolidge takes us into OU's Academic and Research Center, where children experimented, learned, and played at the science and math stations set up throughout the building. The robotics table at Engineering and Technology Day is swarmed with kids and OU students as they fill the perimeter of the Academic Research Center, which is called the ARC. The robotics table is a big hit for many kids, especially to Sophie Knight. Sophie is a middle school student at Bloom Vernon School in South Webster, Ohio, and she developed a love for robotics at a young age. My mom is a project controls engineer, so um, she likes to do a whole bunch of different product, uh, projects. So I used to help her with them, and I thought it was really fun. Sophie's friend, Allie Newman, also has parents who inspired her love of math and science. Both of my parents were and have been math teachers, and I've just always liked it. Like Ever since I was little, I do like little study books and stuff. Allie says she wants to continue doing math and science throughout her life. I kind of want to be a pharmacist, and they have to work with math and stuff. I'm still helping people, and it's still related to like medical terms. A group called the Renaissance Engineers put on this event. Their motto is, create for good. And events like the Engineering and Technology Day help them carry out that motto. This is the first year of Renaissance Engineers at Ohio University. They currently do science workshops for kids at local libraries and are working to construct a bridge for good works in the plains. According to member Ryan Lucas, the purpose of the Engineering and Technology Day is to show kids that math and science goes far beyond what they learn in their classrooms. It's everywhere. Right? Like, not just robotics, like electronics, knowing how to work with machines, computers. No matter where you go, you're never going to not run into those. Tables fill the perimeter of the arc, each with a set of OU students who are helping kids with various activities. One table is filled with smoothie supplies, such as assorted fruit, milk, and yogurt. The ingredients go into a blender, that is attached to a bike that kids are pedaling in order to blend their smoothies. Lydia Ramlow, a civil engineering student, says the smoothie bike is a fun way for kids to learn about clean, alternative energy sources. There's clean energy, truly, and that's really what the bike demonstrates. It also demonstrates how some engineering, mechanical engineering more than civil stuff and just showing how like rotational energy can convert to smoothies and also can charge your phone. 
Next to the smoothie bike, there's a table full of kids making their own silly putty and learning about how combining chemicals can create different polymers or plastics. Next to them, there's a group of kids at another table building their own towers and contraptions out of plastic building blocks and toys called connects. Athens elementary student Nicholas Bittinger couldn't help but spend most of his time at the drone table. He plans to grow up to be an engineer himself one day. I've always liked the hardware and software and designing things. Nicholas carried on his conversation with the designers of the drones he was looking at, fascinated as he listened to the engineers talk about the mechanisms that took place to construct the drones. Renaissance Engineers hopes to inspire kids to continue their education with math and science and realize there are many opportunities in the STEM field. For The Outlet, I'm Caitlin Coolidge. Ohio University graduate associate Rebecca Titus led the OU Wind Symphony in their rendition of One Life Beautiful at the School of Music's winter concert a few weeks ago. She spoke about why she thinks female conductors don't have very high numbers at classical music festivals. My name is Rebecca Titus and I'm a graduate associate for the Ohio University bands um, within the School of Music. As far as conductors, it pretty is a heavy demographic of gentlemen and um, within the the field we typically call it like a uh, good old boys club we associate size and look and sound with a certain gender you know the bigger more boisterous sounds we think oh we'll put a boy on that and if it's a little bit more soft delicate smaller we associate it with women There's no right or wrong way to conduct. Um, there's a, if you search conductors on YouTube, there's a million ways to do it. There are some basic mechanics of, you know, you wanna, you wanna be comfortable because it is a totally natural, unnatural thing to like extend your arms outside of your body forever. So there's a natural flow of like where your plane falls. Um, and that's usually right about your belly button, middle of the body. And then there's the basic skills of, okay, understanding how we organize beats. Everything changes a little bit. There's lighting, everyone's dressed up, like I'm wearing a dress, which is awesome. And just walking out and seeing, okay, this is it. This is the last time we will ever make this music together. I like to have fun, you know, like I hope it showed the other day that I was loving that moment. And it was actually a really big goal of mine. I was freaking out backstage because I didn't memorize. I didn't use a score. I didn't look. There was, there was nothing there. So it was just, I finally got to really listen. Um, and, I, and that's a really big goal of mine. It's always, even if my hands are moving, to really listen to what's happening and react and have that relationship. It was really important to just hear them play because it it's such a beautiful piece and, and it's about you know your life and how beautiful a life really is. And we hit the final like big chord. And I cut them off and I hadn't been breathing. I hadn't breathed the whole time. I mean, I'm sure I had, but consciously I hadn't been. And I needed to, and it was just like.
Nelsonville City Council recently put a new tax in place, but it's not sitting well with many locals. Abby Grise sat down with reporter Nate Busilla to see what the controversy is about. So I'm here with Nate Busilla. Hi, Nate. How's it going? Good. Um, okay, so Nate last week covered this new tax in Nelsonville, and it's causing some controversy. Yeah. So, Nate, can you explain what the tax is, what's going on? Yeah, so the tax itself is um, city of Nelsonville, all tickets above $10, excluding school events. There will be a 5% additional tax added onto that, and that 5% additional tax will go towards the city for their uh, use, what they call the general fund, which will be police, fire, sidewalks, you know, like town needs, basically. So um, it's an, so we say you buy a $20 ticket, it's going to be an extra dollar, and that dollar will go towards the city. Okay, so like tickets to what? Oh, great question. Um, so tickets to the most popular will be Stewart's Opera House, mm. uh, the Hawking Scenic Railway, mm. and the Nelsonville Music Festival, which, you know, this year won't be affected due to um, this tax not being implemented until July. Um, city council, the city manager said, he wanted to give them some time to adjust mm. to, you know, this big ticket because it, it is ex- expected by a lot of these owners to uh, affect business. Yeah. Yeah. Do, so do people pre- seem pretty upset about it? Yeah. A, a lot of the general public seems not, not happy with it. They're, um, you know, a lot of the issues are they don't understand why um, tourists are expected to be paying for these t- things that are local town needs. Um, and, you know, tourism isn't exactly... Um, a given. It's not guaranteed. Plus, if you're rising costs, you're not guaranteed to have people come. It's it's going to possibly drive some people away. Mm-hmm. Um, like Stewart's Opera House, Tim Peacock, he said, you know, with rising prices, um, you're going to be selling less. That's mm-hmm. just a fact with whatever it is, hamburgers, whatever. You're going to be selling less. So that's a big, big concern for them is, um, you know, whether they're going to be able to keep selling. Yeah, that's really interesting if people like come, say, for the music festival and then yeah, they have to, like, out of their own pocket, basically yeah. pay for the city. So on that, city council's thought is, you know, these are tourists. These are people that have disposable income. They have a couple extra bucks. And they also, um, Ed Mash told me, is they see this almost as if, like, a processing fee on credit cards. You know, when you swipe your card rather than paying for cash, there's a 3% extra charge. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you buy tickets for Stewart's Opera House, you do it online, there's a little bit of an extra charge. And they see this as just another little bit of an extra charge. But this extra charge is going towards helping the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the councilmen I was able to speak to said, you know, we are here for this city. We want to help this city. And I, from what they tell me, I mean, I, I believe it. Um, the scene sounds very truthful, of course. Um, but I, I think people have a right to be concerned about things, you know. Yeah. How was the vote split up? It was four to one. Um with Taylor Sappington being the only one to vote no, mm-hmm. which surprisingly he voted yes on it last time this was um, when it was initially introduced. Um, one city council member, Kathy Loudon, uh, resigned before the meeting, and uh, now another city councilwoman, she uh, abstained due to she has a part-time te- teaching job in Nelsonville, so mm-hmm. her position is paid for by Stewart's Opera House, so she abstained from the vote. So it was four to one, and um, it's a city council that has 14 members since last time this bill was voted on. When was it last voted That on? would have been last November, okay. or at least last November was when um, the city councilman stepped away. Wow. You know, it is definitely a town that uh, needs some attention. I know something I spoke about earlier was uh, with the introduction of the Route 33 bypass five years ago, it really hurt the city of Nelsonville. And so something definitely needs to be done. 
whether this is the answer or not, we'll find out. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see. But definitely something needs to be done. And these city councilmen think that they're taking the right steps toward doing it. Mm -hmm. um, they also believe that uh, it's been estimated that per year it could bring in $50,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, thank you for sitting down with me. Oh, of course. No problem. Pronunciations of names are apt to change in different areas that speak different languages. These different pronunciations give off different impressions. Lauren Ramoser has experienced this as a German student now living in the U.S. and is still unsure how much her identity lies within her name. I am German and currently living in the U.S. And along with almost everything else, my name has also changed. Lauren is a popular female first name in America, but Lauren, how my name is pronounced in German, is not at all common in Germany. In fact, it's pretty rare. As many international students that come to another country do, I decided to Americanize my first name. It makes my everyday conversations a lot easier, rather than forcing everyone I meet to try to pronounce my name correctly. But what's in a name? Is it just a word you identify yourself with? And does the pronunciation of it matter? There's really no other reason to pronounce a letter sequence a certain way except for the rules of a language or a dialect. Some people get very protective about the correct pronunciation of their name, others don't care that much. But this conflict shows how much identity and self-perception lie within a name. Most parents make the decision of how to pronounce their child's name when they are born. Once you leave your language area, you have to decide if you want to stick with that pronunciation or adjust it. I asked some international students to pronounce their name in their mother tongue. A native English speaker shows you how the name sounds Americanized. Austrian German. Natalie. Natalie. American English. Natalie. Portuguese. Rafael. Rafael. American English. Rafael. Spanish. Patricia. Patricia. American English. Patricia. Italian. Pierluigi. Pierluigi. American English. Pierluigi. German. Lisa. Lisa. American English. Lisa. Studies show that every name carries a bias as we connect it to other people who share it. This might be nationality, race, gender, or even personality. By adjusting your name to fit with another language, you also adapt those biases. And most of this happens without you even knowing it, because the language and culture are so new. This process becomes even more difficult for people who decide to choose a completely new name. They need to find a name that fits to their personality. It's clear there is much more to a name than just a sequence of letters. For the outlet, I'm Lauren Ramosa, or in German, Lauren Ramosa. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is co-produced and hosted each week by me, Beth Greenman, and Elise Heyman. We're edited by Atish Baidia, Susan Tebbin, and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant. Our theme music is performed by Ryan Gavos, and Dalton Pritt mixes our show. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud and iTunes, or find us online at woub.org. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore WOUB and Instagram at WOUB underscore outlet. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Thanks for listening.